0: Thank you for joining me for Leviticus. So we're up to the third book of the Bible. And um, this is a book that people have described as one of the most boring books in the Bible. Well, (laughs) I said to you in the introduction to the Bible that we're going to go through the whole Bible and you can decide what you think is the most interesting book. Don't write Leviticus off just yet. Let's read Leviticus chapter 1. Yahweh called to Moses and spoke to him from the tenter meeting, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and tell them, When anyone offers an offering to Yahweh, you shall offer your offering of the livestock from the herd and from the flock. If his offering is a burnt offering from the herd, he shall offer a male without defect. He shall offer it at the door of the of meeting, that he may accept, be accepted before Yahweh. He shall lay his hand on the head of the burnt offering, and it shall be accepted for him to make atonement for him. He shall kill the bull before Yahweh. Aaron's sons, the priests, shall present the blood, and sprinkle the blood around on the altar, that is, at the door of the tent of meeting. He shall skin the burnt offering and cut it into pieces, The sons of Aaron the priest shall put fire on the altar and lay wood in order on the fire. And Aaron's sons, the priests, shall lay the pieces, the head and the fat, in order on the wood that is on the fire which is on the altar. But he shall wash its innards and its legs with water. The priest shall burn all of it on the altar for a burnt offering, an offering made by fire of a pleasant aroma to Yahweh. If his offering is from the flock, from the sheep, or from the goats, for a burnt offering, he shall offer a male without defect. He shall kill it on the north side of the altar before Yahweh. Aaron's sons, the priests, shall sprinkle its blood around on the altar. He shall cut it into pieces with its head and its fat. The priest shall lay them in order on the wood that is on the fire which is on the altar. But the innards and the legs he shall wash with water. The priest shall offer the whole and burn it on the altar. It is a burnt offering, an offering made by fire, of a pleasant aroma to Yahweh. If his offering to Yahweh is a burnt offering of birds, then he shall offer his offering from turtle doves or of young pigeons. The priest shall bring it to the altar and wring off its head and burn it on the altar, and its blood shall be drained out on the side of the altar. And he shall take away its crop and its feathers and cast it beside the altar on the east part in the place of the ashes. He shall tear it by its wings, but shall not divide it apart. The priest shall burn it on the altar, on the wood that is on the fire. It is a burnt offering, an offering made by fire of a pleasant aroma to Yahweh. When you hear a chapter like this, and there are going to be many like this to follow in Leviticus, You just think, what could I possibly learn from this? And that's why people, when they read the book of Leviticus, you know, they're reading the Bible and they just skip Leviticus. You know, in fact, what a lot of people do, and I did this with my very own children, you know, we're reading through the Bible, family dinner time, you know, you eat and then read a chapter of the Bible and you just skip these chapters because it's hard to make anything interesting out of them for your children. Now I do that, but later on we might come back to it with my children when they're older. But a lot of people, they just skip it for themselves. They don't take the time to read it, but it's actually God's word. And even though people think it's the most boring book in the Bible, it's not the most boring book in the Bible. It's just people haven't taken the time to dig into it a little bit. Now you imagine that you're at the beach. Imagine a you know a beach that's a couple of hundred meters long and I said to you, there's a treasure chest buried here somewhere. <laughs> Here's a shovel. You're gonna dig in that beach all day long and you're gonna keep on digging and you'll come back the next day until you find that treasure chest because you know it's there somewhere. But people look at the book of Leviticus like, oh, it's not worth the effort. But the thing, there are things, there are treasures to be discovered in Leviticus. You've just got to dig a little bit. So I'm gonna tell you a few things about Leviticus and then share one brief thing about this chapter. When I get to the other chapters of Leviticus, I'm gonna dig a bit more into the actual information on the chapter. But here I just wanna talk more about the book as a whole. First of all, um, I don't know if you've ever heard of a thing called a chiastic structure. So a a chiasm or a chiasm comes from the Greek word X. So key is the Greek word X, uh, the Greek letter X, sorry. You know the Greek alphabet. Well, the letter X in Greek is said key, C-H-I. And you know, that's another reason why with Christ in Christmas, the letter key, they often put an X, an Xmas. It's not derogatory at all, like some Christians think. It's the X literally is the letter of the Greek alphabet that means Christ. And so, a chiastic structure is an X shaped structure. You know, in other words, it's a structure like two bookmarks with something in the middle. If you think about the X shape, it goes like this. And in the middle, you've got this central point. So a chiastic structure is something that's kind of shaped like a book ends with something in the middle. These two parts come together and they meet at a certain key important point and go apart. And the book of Leviticus is the central part of the whole of the law. It's like the whole Torah or the whole first five books of the Bible is a chiastic structure. And it meets, it comes together and it meets at a central point and then it goes away again. And the central point is the book of Leviticus. It's right in the middle, it's the central part of the law, or it's the key part, and there's a central figure in this book. And so if you hadn't realized that, you wouldn't have realized that the the book of Leviticus is actually the main message of the first five books of the Bible. Now, some of you have got a New Testament where the the words of Jesus are written in red. And so as you're reading through the Gospels, and even a few bits in the book of Acts and later, you see things that Jesus has said are written in red. If you were reading the Old Testament with the things that God says directly written in red, nearly the whole book of Leviticus is going to be read. This book is written first person God speaking. Whereas you've got other parts of the, of the first five books of the Bible like Exodus and Genesis where it's just telling stories of what happened, this nearly whole book is God speaking. So what we've got here is a book which seems boring, but nearly all of it is directly God talking, and it's the central part of the law, it's the the focus of like the chiastic structure, so to speak. And so, and the main theme of this book is about holiness and about atonement and how to be right with God. In other words, if you didn't have the whole New Testament, you know, like let's say the early Christians, and they don't have the whole New Testament yet because it's in that first generation and it still hasn't been put down completely, and you're a preacher and you're going to, you know, you want to use the scriptures, which is the Old Testament, to talk to people about holiness and atonement. You're going to use books like Leviticus, but you're not talking about the law. You're talking about Jesus, but Jesus is in here. And you're going to be talking about how to be right with God and how to, to approach God. And, and the examples are here in like types and shadows and illustrations, but it's all about Jesus. So Leviticus is actually really, really important, and but you do have to dig a little bit. In the New Testament, in Luke chapter 24, there's a story where two believers are walking to the city, the town of Emmaus, Jesus has died, but they don't know he's risen from the dead yet. And so they're a bit down, they're, they're a lot down, they're dejected, disheartened, and Jesus comes and walks with them. This is the story of the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. And as Jesus is walking with them, they're, they're saying, don't you know everything that's gone on in Jerusalem these last few days? Jesus, of course, does know, but he pretends and says, oh, tell me. So they're telling him about, oh, there was this, you know, Jesus. We thought he was, you know, the Messiah, but they killed him. And, but now we've heard a story that he's risen from the dead. And in that passage in Luke, Jesus goes on to explain himself to them, but they don't know it's him yet. And he says, how slow of you to believe everything that was written in the law, starting and it says, starting from Moses, he showed them everything to do with himself. Well, who's Moses? It's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. These first five books of the Bible, it's is all about Jesus. So there's that story in Luke 24 where Jesus used these books, including used Leviticus, to show himself to New Testament believers. Incredible. <laughs> and we're gonna do that now in the next 27 days, 27 chapters in Leviticus, we're gonna go through looking for Jesus. And so here in this very first chapter, Jesus is here too. I'm gonna to show you two quick things. The first is that God, remember first person God speaking, God says, if anyone comes to make an offering, let it be, and he gives several categories. The first is, you know, bulls. The next is, you know, sheep or goats. And the third is birds, you know, pigeons or turtle doves. And basically, the story here was that if you were wealthy, you could offer a bull. But if you weren't as wealthy, maybe you could offer a sheep or a goat, but if you were really poor and all you could offer was a bird, then that's what you offer. So when you come to offer, you offer according to the level of your ability. But the key thing was, that it had to be without defect. And so this is where we first start to see Jesus. And these offerings that are described in chapter 1 are what we call burnt offerings. In other words, they were completely consumed. Some of the offerings that we're going to find later are offerings that were made for different purpose and that the priests would get to eat the meat. So the animal would be killed, but then the meat would go to feed the priests and their family or could be sold by the priests in certain circumstances to provide money for the priest families. But these offerings were burnt offerings. They had to be completely perfect without defect, and they had to be offered completely. The whole thing had to be completely offered. And this is the first thing we notice about Jesus is that when Jesus came as our sacrifice, he was completely perfect. He was the only sinless human being that ever existed. There was no blemish in him, and he offered himself completely to God. And it's also a picture of what the Lord asks of us. He asks us in return to offer ourselves completely to him. And so we start to see that the the offering of Jesus Christ is shown in all these sacrifices. Each of them is going to teach us something about Jesus, some element of Jesus, of, of who he was. And the first thing we notice here in chapter one is that Jesus offered himself completely for us and he was perfect. And um, in the New Testament, there's a moment when, when Jesus is brought to the temple as an eight-day-old baby. And I talked about this in Exodus chapter 40, how Simeon said, My eyes have seen the glory. But in that, in that day when Jesus was brought, his parents offered an offering. If you remember from the New Testament, they offered a pair of turtle doves. So think about Exodus chapter 1 here. Uh, So Leviticus chapter 1, the different levels of offering. You could offer a bull, or you could offer a sheep or goat, or you could offer turtle doves or a pigeon. Well, Jesus' parents come and they offer a pair of turtle doves. What does that tell us about the family that Jesus was born into? It tells us that they weren't very wealthy. They didn't have the type of resources to, to offer a bull, or to even offer a sheep or goat. They only had meager resources, enough to offer, to a pair of doves, turtle doves. And so Jesus, um, we see here that he also gave everything up in coming to live. You know, Jesus was in heaven, He, he was with God and he was God, he had all the resources of the entire universe, but he comes and he gives up completely of himself to become a baby into a poor, poor, poor family. And all that they can afford is the cheapest sacrifice. And they legally have to give this sacrifice according to the laws of circumcision you know, bringing your child and having him circumcised on the eighth day and making this offering. They have to do it, but all they can afford is just the most basic of offerings. One commentator that I listened to, he said, if you were really poor and you couldn't even afford that, at least with these birds, you could go and catch them. Pigeons are everywhere, you know, around the city. You could actually catch the birds. So um, that's still an investment of your time. And so we've got here a double picture of Jesus as the burnt offering giving himself up completely for us. All you can say is, thank you, Lord. Lord, thank you. You gave yourself up completely for us. Lord, you're our burnt offering in our place. Lord, we couldn't, we couldn't atone for ourselves. Lord, but you came on the cross at Calvary completely giving everything up. In our place lord we so appreciate it and my prayer is today that you'd help us as believers to be also people who give ourselves up completely for you we may not be perfect and sinless like you are but lord thank you that you've said that your grace is sufficient for us and i pray that we ourselves would give our lives completely into the service of christ amen